my prayer today is if you don't have that right now, if you don't believe that, that God would, uh, would change your mind because he is your way maker. He is the answer to all of our problems. That doesn't mean life will be easy. doesn't mean every decision is going to be easy. He simply promises to walk through those storms, walk through those deserts with us. Amen. Amen. If you would, put a smile on your face. Turn around tell somebody, I'm saved. I hope you're saved. Tell them uh, you're good to see them this morning. All right. Tell somebody you're glad to see them if you would. fellowship. It's good to be with God's people. Amen. You know, it's wonderful that we uh, have uh, video and, you know, COVID brought about a lot of things. Uh, a lot of churches went online that were not online and it's wonderful for people that need to use that, but uh, nothing ever takes the place of being physically with God's people and being in God's place. Amen. All right. That is a lot of good fellowship still going on. I can wait. I get another drink of coffee. <laughs> it's that side over there. I hear you. I feel like I'm at a family reunion, amen. Somebody better have some pot roast. <laughs> All right, just a few announcements, if you would. Don't have a ton this morning. Uh, we are coming into the holiday season. So uh, it's a busy time for a lot of other things, so we try not to weigh you too much down with things uh, at church, but uh, just uh, uh, want you to enjoy your time with family. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got uh, Thanksgiving coming. That's the next one, isn't it? Thanksgiving. And so uh, we just have a few things to do with that. Uh, first of all, any visitors in the house? we got Brother Gary. has got some visitor cards. Anybody visitors? Thank you all very much. Brother Gary's going to give you all a card. If you would, fill that card out. Put it in the offering basket on your way out. We're so glad that you're here today. Amen. And uh, we always uh, need, you can, uh, giving today can be done. We have uh, envelopes. You can do a check or cash. Uh, and uh, the offering baskets are always at the door on your way out. Uh, you can also give online. It's right there on the screen. You can go to giving.landmarktyler.com. You set it up one time and then you're good to go. Uh, volunteers, we always need volunteers. This church relies heavily on volunteers, amen? Otherwise, we would have to pay somebody to do these things. We have a yard teams so that we don't have to pay a yard service to come and uh, mow all this and edge all this, and this is a big piece of property, and so it's a lot of work, but uh, we always need volunteers for our yard team, and then we also have a cleaning team. We have teams that clean the church every week so that we don't have to pay a cleaning service to come and clean the church, and that saves the church a lot of money, so 
uh, we rely heavily on you volunteers. So see, see me if you can uh, help with yard teams or cleaning teams. Um, always need help in children's ministry. Uh, children's ministry is one of the things you got to have, but hardly anybody wants to volunteer for it a lot of times because you feel like, well, I did my service in that. But I'm here to tell you this morning, uh, we need volunteers always for children. These children need to hear the Word of God, and they need to hear about the Word of God. Amen. So uh, you will, uh, if you can help us out on that, see me on that also. Uh, for Thanksgiving, we do have a church-wide Thanksgiving meal on Wednesday, November the 15th, 6 p.m. That's our normal dinner time on Wednesday night, but uh, we will have a big crowd that night because we're going to provide Greenberg smoked turkey for everybody, all right? So we'll have free Greenberg smoked turkey. We do need y'all, however, to bring the sides and the desserts, and there's a sign-up sheet on the back table back there. So before you go out today, put down what you can bring. I think the list is all the food that we need there on sides and desserts, so just put your uh, name and what you can bring on there, and that will be at 6 p.m. on November the 15th. And then the very next Wednesday, which is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we'll have no Wednesday activities. We always like to give the Wednesday before Thanksgiving off to everybody because we know we've got a lot of family activities to give you that time to spend time with your family. I know trying to get all of your family together, everybody usually has to stagger their Thanksgiving dinners and lunches and put it over several days. Uh, even in our own family, I think we're going to do one Wednesday night. So uh, that just helps you out, helps all of us out. So no activities on November 22nd. Movie night on Sunday, November 26th. We've been watching The Chosen, 6 p.m., so make plans for that. Last thing, but probably one of the most important things, uh, Brother Pablo uh, Flores is a missionary we support in Monterey, Mexico. And uh, he has, uh, Pablo and his wife were here a few months ago. And when he was here a few months ago, he said, Brother Mark, I really wish you could bring a group from Landmark to come to Monterey and minister to us. So. Uh, we are planning a mission trip to Monterey, Mexico, February the 24th to the 29th of 2024. Uh, I know that seems like a far uh, time away, but by the time we make all the arrangements and do everything, it will get here quickly. So there is a sign-up sheet at the back for that. Anyway, there's a couple of names on there already. Uh, we're going to be flying, so because it's a quick trip, we're only, it's only five days, so rather than take uh, three, four days of driving to get down there, we're going to fly there, all right? So I uh, don't have a cost for you yet, but I'm still working all that up. But if you're interested in going, uh, put your name on the list back there, all right? I think that is everything. In just a moment, <clears throat> I'm going to preach a little to you. Miss Julie Arnold is going to give her testimony this morning. I'm going to interview her. And so we're excited about that. She's going to tell her story. As we've been saying, everybody here has a story. Amen. And uh, somebody needs to hear your story. But uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Right now, let's all stand back up if you would. And uh, we are going to uh, continue to worship. All right, here we go. One, two, three, four.
Well, we had a song requested, and uh, we always love to try and do requests if it's possible. And um, Bobby and Mary Wood asked us to do this song. And so we said, okay, we'll, we'll look at it. And we pulled this song up. And I had heard this song, but it's been a long time ago. And it's a wonderful, wonderful song. And I think it's probably a song, it was a song I needed to hear at that moment. God don't make any mistakes, does he? He brings things right when we need them. And so I'm just going to assume that it's a song probably many of you need to hear this morning. And it simply says this, that in the chorus it says, and you can sing it along with us. The words will be on the screen. It says, sometimes it takes a mountain. And sometimes it takes a troubled sea. And sometimes it takes a desert. Maybe you feel like you're going through all three to get a hold of me. You see, your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me because sometimes it takes a mountain to trust you and to believe. Amen. So, man, I want you, you don't know this song, learn it real quick. Sing along with us. The words will be on the on the screen if you would. I faced a mountain that I've never faced before. That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a
Brother Kelly, would you, would you pray for us, please? Father, how great and glorious it is to be in your house today, Lord. To be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. And to lay our hearts before you, Father. So that you can see every fault. That you can see every scar that you can see every wound Lord that still bleeds that you may lay your caring and mighty hand on it and heal it Father I pray for those that have walked in the doors today and Lord they don't know why they're here they just felt led to come here today Father, I pray that whatever need they have, whether they need to come to you in salvation or maybe they're a prodigal that needs just to come home. Maybe it took a mountain to drive them back to you. I pray, Father, whatever is done here today, let it be done in your will. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over this house and over every soul that's here today the enemy wouldn't be able to interfere with what is said here in the message. Lord, let Mark speak what you would have him to say and let our hearts and ears be open to you. I ask this all in the name that is above every name. In the King of kings and Lord of lords, in the name of the only begotten Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering, if you would, because God is good. If you have children that would like to go to children's church, uh, we're going to send them on. I believe uh, we've got the bigger kids are going to go uh, meet uh, Miss Kimberly at this door. The smaller kids uh, are going to meet at this door over here with Miss Diana. All right. So you can go either direction there. And, uh, man, thank you to our children's workers. Always do a great job. Again, we, we don't want to just babysit your kids. Those kids go, they get a Bible lesson, they get taught the Word of God. And uh, so it's, it's more than just babysitting. So, uh, and it's hard work. If you don't believe it, volunteer, because we need you to volunteer. Amen. Uh, for the rest of you, look at the screen. I need to change. You ever felt like that? Do you feel like that this morning? Listen, I want to promise you one thing. The enemy lies to you constantly. And the enemy is even lying to you this morning. He's lying and telling you that you can't do it. You're not good enough. You could never change. You want to get rid of these things in your life, but it's not possible. You want a change of heart and a change of mind, but it's not possible. And sometimes we close ourselves off. God uses a lot of different ways to heal us. I know that we'd all like for God to just show up in the moment and just wave his hand and heal us of all of our problems, but that's not the way it works. Now, can God do that? Yes. Does he choose to do that every once in a while? Yes. And if that's happened to you, you better always remember that. Because more often than not, 
you're going to have to climb a mountain, just like we sang about. More often than not, you're going to have to tread water in the sea for a long time. More often than not, you're going to have to walk from one side of the desert to the other side of the desert. Amen. And so we must understand, I need to change. I need to change. Now, your, your mind might immediately go to addictions. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I need to change because I've got an addiction in my life. But it means way more than addictions. It means maybe life choices. I need to change some of my life choices. Some of you are in financial difficulties because of bad life choices. Some of your families are in disarray because of bad life choices. Some of you have put yourself in a situation where mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, you are exhausted because you've made bad life choices. And that doesn't always mean saying yes. I've told you all this before. Sometimes the best word you can learn is no. Because if you don't learn to say no to the things that don't matter, you will not have room to say yes to the things that do matter that God brings into your life. So sometimes you've got to learn to say no, no, no. All right? So we're going to talk about a lot of those things today. Not just addictions, life choices. Where are you at in life? Do, are you happy with where you're at in life? Do you want to be in a different place? Does that just happen? No. You see, many times we have the right intentions, but, and I need you to hear me on this, many times we have good intentions, but we have the wrong strategy. And my strategy is, and listen, we live in America, and this is, bless God, if you've got problems, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you just toughen up, and you just make yourself better. And listen, that's not always a bad attitude, but sometimes we want to get way too self-reliant. And we tend to leave God out. Can I tell you this? You don't have the power to change yourself. I'll be honest with you, most of us, and I include myself in this, you don't have the self-discipline or the self-control to change yourself. You say, well, Brother Mark, how dare you? Can you give me an example? Yes, we're coming up on New Year's Eve. What do a lot of people do on New Year's Day? They make New Year's what? How long do those last? You know what the average says? January 14th. <laughs> That's how long most New Year's residents. What does that tell you? That tells you I have good intentions to change, but I just don't have the self-discipline or the willpower or any of those things. Now, somebody taught me several years ago, and this revolutionized my life. I always thought self-control and self-discipline was exactly what it said, self so I was trying to come up with, with it myself. But then one day somebody led me to the scripture that talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are not of the flesh. They come from what? The Spirit. And did you know that in that list of fruit of the spirits, right at the very end, and if you don't read it all the way through, you'll miss it, but right at the very end of the list of uh, spiritual gifts, it says self-control. And that just blew my mind. That revolutionized my life. Because all of a sudden I realized I don't have self-control. Now the word is deceiving because it has the word self in it. But I realized when I saw that in the list of spiritual gifts that that self-control only comes through the Holy Spirit. It is a gift of the Spirit. And so all of that working and trying and everything about I'm going to change, I'm going to do this, 
And here's your first indication when you're in the wrong spot. It's I, 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 I. Because you don't have the power. I don't have the power. Can I tell y'all? I'm not good at self-control and self-discipline. I got proof right there. Amen? Many of us are that way. Listen, if I see it, I want to eat it. Amen? I have a seafood diet. Amen? If I see it, I want to eat it. It looks good, and it almost all looks good to me. All right? So self-control, self-discipline, I really struggle in this area. So as I tell you before, don't put the preacher up on a pedestal because the only place he's got to go is to fall off. I'm telling you, when I'm preaching to you, I'm most likely preaching to myself stronger than I am anybody else in the building. All right? So self-control, self-discipline. All right? So this is for Mark Trammell. It's for nobody else today. All right? Real change. Uh, I'm going to give you some things that you need to get these down. Listen very closely. Real change is not behavior modification. The world will tell you you've got to change your behavior. And real change only comes through behavior modification. Real change does not happen. It's not behavior modification. Real change is spiritual transformation. See, there's the key right there. It's spiritual. It's not physical. It is a spiritual transformation. First scripture is Romans 7, 24, 25. Mm, 24, 25. All right. Now, if you ever struggled, go to Romans chapter 7. Paul, the guy that wrote most of the New Testament, you think he had his act all together. No, he did not. In Romans chapter 7, he struggles. And he says this, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. I did get out of whack. You were right, JT. I was wrong. I just admitted something. I was wrong. Amen. Brother JT had it right. I had it wrong. I got ahead of myself. Romans 7, 15 through 20. I'm sorry. This is what Paul says. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, or in other words, what I want to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that's what I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. You catch that? How to perform what is good. What is performance? That is me trying to do it. That's me trying to fix it. All right? But how to perform what is good, I do not find. And then 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. So here's a major problem. Everything that you want to change in your life, the devil doesn't want you to change it. Because usually change, you're wanting to change for the good. The devil doesn't like that. So the devil will try to do, and you see what it says right there in verse 20, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. Now, when you got saved and your sin was forgiven, did your sin go away? Did anybody here get saved and never sinned again? I'd like to talk with you after we get through, amen? See how you did it. Because it doesn't mean you stop sinning. It simply means my sins are forgiven. But I still struggle. Why? Because sin still dwells in me, my flesh. My flesh is fighting with my spirit. I now have the spirit of God that lives inside of me, 
But there is a war that goes on constantly every single day. Look at me. Every single day, there's a war that goes on inside of you. It is a spiritual battle. It is spiritual war. There's spiritual warfare going on in this room right now. Some of you are distracted. Some of you are looking at the door. Some of you are, uh, some of you got your mind somewhere else. Listen, I'm ADD. I get it. Amen. But here's the thing. The devil does not want you to hear what I'm talking to you about this morning. And so there is spiritual warfare going on in this building right now. The things that God wants to pertain and push into your heart, the devil is trying to distract you. The devil is trying to move your mind to other things. Maybe you're thinking about, what am I having for lunch today? Am I going to Whataburger or am I going to Wendy's? All right. Hopefully, you know, we'll change all that. All right. And you'll make a better choice today. Uh, listen. Now go to Romans 7, 24 through 25. Here's what Paul decided. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who do you think? 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I want you all to put, put that next slide up there about grace. Look at this. Take a picture of it. Write it down. The grace that saved you is also the grace that changed you. And let me even make that in the present tense. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that can change you today if you're looking for change in your life. It is all about grace. The same grace that saved you is also the grace that will change you. Now, you may say, well, Brother Mark, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But guess what? We all hit a point where we get in the desert, a spiritual desert. We all get in a point where we backslide, where the devil lies to us, and we believe his lies, and we start to backslide spiritually. And I'm here to tell you that same grace that saved you is the same grace that can bring you up out of the desert. It can bring you up out of the troubled sea. It can bring you over the top of that mountain, that same grace that saved you. Amen? Here's what many of us need to say. I am disciplined because Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Now, let me tell you, that, that's hard for me to say. I am disciplined because I know that in my flesh and in myself, I am not disciplined. Where am I going to find that discipline? Where am I going to find that self-control? Through the help of the Holy Spirit. If you want to change, you take action. You don't just talk. Here's what I've discovered in my own life especially. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Talk doesn't cost me anything. I can talk all day long about changing. But until I take action, it means nothing. Talk is cheap. All right? So what we need to understand is I am disciplined through Jesus Christ. You see, real change is not God, then you. Because here's what me say. Here's, what, here's how people decide they're going to change. Well, I'm trying to stop cussing, GD. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get a hold of my anger, and then you punch a hole in the wall. Well, I, I'm trying to, to eat better as I'm eating that double whopper. Well, I'm trying to change this. I'm trying to change that. Talk is cheap. And the whole, the whole problem is it's the I'm trying. It's not God, then you. And then many people want to say, well, it's God, not you. Many people want to say, okay, God, I want to change. I'm going to go over here and sit in my lazy boy, and I want you to change it for me. And God says, that ain't the way it operates. That's like, 
leaning on a shovel and expecting God to dig the hole. It don't work that way. If you want to dig the hole, you got to get the shovel and you got to dig the hole. Will God help you? Will God meet you halfway? Yes. But it always takes a point of action. So it's not God, then you. It's not God, not you. The real way it works is God through you. And when it's God through you, you simply say, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. But God, if you'll meet me halfway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a change in my life. Listen, if you want change in your life, now let's, let's slip over to troubles in life and addictions. Because this may be the easiest way for you to understand this. If you want to be free from alcohol, do you sit at home in your living room with alcohol all around you and say, God, deliver me from alcohol and expect this is going to happen? No, you're going to have to get out. You're going to have to go find you an AA program or a Celebrate Recovery program. You may even have to go even further than that. We have some guys that come from Triumph Village. Triumph Village is a place where guys go to get their lives straightened out. And can I tell you this? Triumph Village did not go to them and recruit them. They had to say, I have a problem, I need some help, and they had to take the action to go down there and check themselves in, right? So that's what it takes. You can't just talk all day. If you want to change things in life, if you want to get better, then you must take the action that is necessary to get there. God will not just deliver it. You have to take the action point to go do it. Now, this is not a popular message. Many of you are not going to like to hear this. I get people come to me all the time and say, Brother Mark, I have a question. Would you give me the answer? And I say, yes, I'd be glad. I can give you, uh, I can give you what the Bible says. I can give you my opinion if you want it. And they ask me the question. I answer it, and then they look mad because it's not the answer they wanted to hear. They didn't really want an answer. They, they wanted me to confirm what they already felt, and when it does not line up with what they felt, then they really didn't want it. So here's, this is probably what this is going to be today. Because I'm telling you what the answer is. You're either going to want it or you don't want it. If you want it bad enough, you'll take the action to go do something to change it. All right? Real quickly, two things, and then I'm going to get Miss Julie up here to tell her story. Because this all is in line with her story. Real change is God through you. Number one, if you change your behavior but you don't change your heart, the behavior is going to come back. Right? Whatever it is, addiction, your place in life, if you're financially destitute and you're in a hole, if you don't change your heart, the behavior will always come back. Why? Because the behavior has to do with the flesh. So if there is not a heart change, if there's not a change in here, the behavior is always going to come back. Because the devil is always waiting just around the corner, isn't he? To lie to you again and bring you back into the same spot. Many of us live life and we end up in the same cycles over and over and over again. What is insanity? Anybody remember that saying? Insanity is doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting different results. Doesn't work that way. All right? Are you sick of being stuck? Why do you try to change but you don't? There's lots of reasons, but I'm going to give you the root of the problem is almost always spiritual. The root of the problem usually is there is a spiritual thing in our life, and we need to dig it up, and we need to dig it up by the root, and we need to get it out of there. Did you know that if you have bitterness and anger in your heart, it is not a physical problem. It's not even a mental problem. 
it really is a, at the root, it is a spiritual problem. And if you don't go and talk to somebody and deal with that stuff and dig it up by the root and get out and get it rid of it, it will just keep coming back up. If you don't pull a weed out by the roots, what will happen? It'll just keep coming back. If you don't dig the root up, and the root is almost always a spiritual problem. Okay? Number two, you're trying to meet a need or relieve a hurt with something besides God's grace. This is what all of addictions are. All of addictions, whether it be alcohol, drugs, food, gossip, shopping, they are all us trying to fill a void, fill a hurt. And we are trying to fill that hurt and we're trying to meet a need with something besides God's grace. That alcohol, you think at first it makes problems go away, doesn't it? But at some point that alcohol turns on you real quick. And all of a sudden you've got a demon inside of you. Food's the same way. Food's a lot more socially acceptable, but it's doing the same thing. It's killing you from the inside out that the alcohol is doing. Drugs, same thing. Will they deaden the pain and numb the pain for a little while? Yes. But you'll end up having a demon inside of you that you will have a very, very hard time getting rid of. And all of us struggle. Don't anybody sit in here and look all self-righteous at somebody else. Because my theory is all of sin is an addiction. So we all got them. The problem is some of yours are just more socially acceptable than the others. Your gossiping tongue is more sociable acceptable. You're spending and swapping that card on the Internet when you are already overdrawn. That is a sin. It, it's just more socially acceptable. Again, we see all of these things, but some are more socially. But they're, in reality, they're all addictions. All of sin is an addiction. So everybody in this room, everybody look at each other. Everybody's got an addiction. We can't look holier than thou at any one person because mine's not yours and yours is not mine. Maybe mine's more socially acceptable than yours, but we're all addicts at the end of the day. All right? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, and if you don't know this one by heart, you need to learn it. My grace is sufficient for you. Boy, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. Miss Julie, come on up here. Uh, give Miss Julie Arnold a big hand. I'm going to have her come up here and uh, get her a microphone. And I always uh, interview people just so I can kind of steer things the direction I want it to go. Uh, but they all, always have them send me their story. Miss Julie wrote her story down and sent it to me. And so, uh, Miss Julie, I just wanted you to kind of share. She wanted to uh, read something at first, right? Yeah. Uh, so she had read something, and she said, could I read this at the beginning? I said, most certainly, because she said it really is, fits her to a T. Go ahead. So this is something that a friend of mine put on Facebook. He has a thing called Barbecue and a Prayer. He's a really good guy, and he's trying to help a lot of people. What he said was, so often we try to hide our scars. We don't see anything positive about them. They remind us of the hurt, the sickness, the accident, the divorce. We wish they would go away, but you need to see your scars in a new light. God didn't allow that scar to discourage you. He allowed it to remind you of what he brought you through. 
When you see that scar, don't think of the pain, think of the grace of God. The scar means the wound has healed. The scar means the pain is over and you're moving forward. The scar means that what worried you and kept you awake at night is now behind you. And praise the Lord, that's what I feel today. Amen. So, Ms. Julie, you sent me your, uh, your story, and you grew up in church, kind of. You got saved at a young age, 13. but kind of shortly after, uh, you kind of got into a rebellious stage when you were away. Share a little bit about that. Uh, first, share kind of how you got saved, what age you were, and then, then what happened after yeah, that. Yeah, I was raised in Corinth Baptist Church up in Van Zandt County. My family's been going to that church since it was started, um, the Davis family. That was my family. And I went to church from the time I was a little kid. I had an aunt that would come and get us and take us to church and Sunday school every Sunday. And as I got a little older, I got into the Girls Missionary Association, and I was very active in that. And that was even before I was saved. And about 13 years old, um, every Sunday, I seemed like I was under conviction. And finally, one Sunday, I said, enough's enough. I got to do something about this and went to the front and talked with the preacher and prayed, and I was saved. And a few weeks later, myself and about five of my cousins got baptized over in the Jordan tank on Highway 110. And it was good. I was happy, and things were pretty good for a year or so. But my mom and I were at war all the time. I was the oldest of five kids, and I wanted to get away from home. And I wanted to get away any way I could. So I started running around going out with guys, stuff like that, and I ended up meeting a guy that was 21 years old when I was 15, and about a year later, we ended up getting married. So here I am at 16 years old, married, found out a month after I got married I was pregnant, and um, trying to go to high school. So I would say things just went from bad to worse at that point. Um, my husband was unfaithful to me from the time we were dating, and that all came to a head about a year later. My first Mother's Day, I spent back at home with my family because I had found out that he was being unfaithful to me. So that was 17 years old at that time. And then you kind of said, and, and this is really kind of what I've been talking about this morning, that kind of starts off with bad decisions, and then everything just kind of starts to yeah. snowball, and yeah. bad decision leads to another bad decision. So kind of share kind of the next few years of just uh, more, uh, yeah. more decisions. Well, I went back to school after I had my son. I stopped like at Christmas time. Then I went back the next year, finished up my junior year, started trying to finish my senior year. And I had missed a lot of school because at that time I had a baby, a part-time job, a husband, a home to take care of. And they told me I wasn't gonna graduate. And at the same time, I found out that I wasn't gonna qualify for financial aid for college, which I had been preparing for for years. I had already passed my SATs and all that stuff for college. When I found out I couldn't, wouldn't have the money to go to college, that I wasn't gonna graduate, I ended up quitting school. And then, like I say, a month after that was when I found out my husband was being unfaithful and we separated. So I ended up, um, before I was 18 years old, I had been married, divorced, and had a baby. Um, I was living on my own for a while in Mineola, working out at Buddy Shulikoff Products, sewing zippers in sleeping bags, and um, my son was sick a lot. He was a little kid going to daycare. You guys know how that is. So I ended up losing the place I was living, 
because I lost my job from being home too much. And um, I took my son to his dad because I felt like one of us should be raising him, not my parents. And so I left him with his dad. And about six months later, he filed for custody of him. So we went to court, he got custody. Um, I gave him custody, I didn't fight it because I had a lawyer that advised me not to fight it. Because if he got somebody to say I was unfit, then I would never get my son back. And I knew my ex-husband and he had money and I knew he would do something like that. So um, he got custody of my son. I very rarely got to see him. I had a friend that was gonna go to California and he asked me if I wanted to go with him. So I went to California with him. Uh, we hitchhiked to California. It was pretty crazy. I was pretty wild back then, it was bad. So I went to California, got into a bad lifestyle, um, started doing drugs and that kind of stuff. This went on for a long time. Um, the guy I went out there with was physically abusive. I ended up getting away from him, moving up to Northern California. I met my kids' dad up there, and we got together, and then in about four years' time, I had three more kids. So not ever really time for me to go to school or anything. All this time, I was a CNA. I was a CNA for 33 years, and I don't regret that, but you know, there, it would have been nice to be able to go to school and do something different. I always wanted to go to school. So my kids, um, after my kids were born, my daughter was born in Salt Lake City. We went there, moved there for a job. And then we ended up moving back to California. My husband at that time started becoming abusive because he was heavy into drugs and alcohol. So this went on for quite some time. We moved several times, moved from California to Arizona for him to go to school, back to California, still the same thing. And you know, in an abusive relationship, it's always about, oh, it's never gonna happen again, I'm so sorry, all that kind of stuff. And a woman, I have learned now by working with women of domestic violence that a woman will leave a total sometimes of seven times before she finally decides to stay away. Well, I didn't leave that many times, but I should have. We ended up back in Texas um, through the grace of God and going to the East Texas Crisis Center. I was finally able to separate from my kids' dad. We started having a little bit better life. I was getting my life together more. <clears throat> And then I met Mr. Arnold back here. Yeah, I was going to say, let's fast forward. We all know Doc Arnold is the man of yeah. your dreams, amen. Yeah. Uh, but he did not start out as the man he, of your he dreams, He was a Marine and about half crazy because when he stepped into our life, my kids were 13, 14, and 15. That is half crazy. That's a little crazy, yeah. <laughs> but he was a man that respected me. He demanded that my kids show me respect, and they did not like that a bit. They wanted him to go with no uncertain terms, but he didn't, thank God. But still, um, our lifestyle was not good. I'm an addict, I will always be an addict. I have my addiction um, under control right now, basically. I have not um, used drugs in over 12 years. And I have, thank you. But that does not mean I'm not still an addict. I know that. I have worked hard not to switch one addiction to another, as my brother told me at one point, and that was not easy also. But I feel like today, I've got a handle on my addiction. I, um, 
finally got the chance to go to school. After my husband, um, we separated for a year. And during that time we separated, um, he got in trouble and then he got saved. And thankful to Brother Mike for that, for talking to him and bringing him to church. And he got saved and then he got clean. So after that happened, I came back home. We got in an accident that should have killed me. And that's when I started coming to Landmark, was right after that accident. And the people of Landmark, I'm, they just put their arms around us, and they have been such a family to us ever since then. And I'm always thankful to that. My husband ended up doing 22 months in prison, but it saved his life because he got clean, and he's been clean ever since. And then when he got home, um, we were taking care of his mom still. And I kept feeling like there was something I needed to do, something I needed to do. I was going to church. I was helping out in children's church at that time, and I needed to get back into that. Um, but I felt like there was something that God wanted me to do. So my mother-in-law got to a point that she was, we couldn't handle her at home anymore. We found a good nursing home for her. She was happy at the nursing home because they waited on her hand and foot and just, you know, she liked that. She really liked that. So when she went in there, then I went and started talking to him at school. I decided I wanted to go to school for psychology. My husband says I was going so I could figure him out. But <laughs> oh, I went one semester with psychology as the thought to be my major, and then I had an advisor steer me towards social work. And I prayed about this all the time. I've prayed, and I've come and asked Brother Mark to pray with me and Brother Martin and you know, different ones have prayed with me over this, over the years. And I really felt like social work was where I was supposed to be because there was so much I could do with it. I could work with battered women. I could work with addicts. I could work with veterans. I could work with all kind of different people, but people that have had the same problems that I had. And I felt like God was steering me towards something that if I could help one person not to have to go through what I went through for so long, to feel like, to know that what you're hungry for, what you're trying to get away from, is an emptiness inside of you that only God can fill. Amen. Only God can fill up that hole. Trust me. I've, I've seen this, and I see it to this day. There's nothing in this world, not drugs, not alcohol, shopping. There's so many different things. Like they say, it celebrate recovery. Hang-ups, hurts, and all that. There's nothing in this world that can fill you up like God can. I start my day every day praying to God, telling him, thank you for another day. This is your day. What are we going to do with it? Amen. Show me what to do today. I work with battered women um, in Longview. We call them survivors. It's rough because it triggers me out all the time because I see them going through the same thing I went through when I was trying to get out of it and trying to do better. You want to just tell them, okay, do this, do this. And you can't do that. Self-determination is the hardest thing in the world. You've got to let a person decide what they want to do. You cannot make that decision for them. Nobody could get me to stop when I was doing things I was doing. So every day I go to work, I pray about that. And, you know, it's a good thing. I have my bachelor's in social work now. I'm working on finishing up my master's degree. I just found out that I'm going to get to work out at the Behavioral Health Center at UT for my last internship, which I'm excited about that. 
But I, like I said, if, if somebody can get one thing from my life, it's just don't wait so long. Don't wait so long. Don't be stubborn. Yeah. Just talk to God. He is there for you every day, mm. every minute of your life. Mm. And I really believe that God has led me and he's still leading me. He's going to show me where I need to be working. Most people are retiring at my age. I just turned 66. Um, I'm starting a new career. And I'm going to continue as long as I'm able to. Amen. Amen. Give Miss Julie a big hand. Thank you, Miss Julie. Isn't that good? Now, here's an interesting thing. And the band can go ahead and come on up. Um, Miss Julie decides, and this is what I was talking about. Here's what I was talking about. Is... Uh, it's a point of action. Miss Julie starts school again at 60 years old. She decides this is what I've always wanted to do. And they don't come to her to recruit her. She has to decide it's never too late. And it's never, life's never over till it's over. And so she goes back to school at age 60. She takes the initiative, she takes the action, and she goes back to school. And I'm here to tell you that's, that's the kind of story we all need. If you're going to change, you have to take the initiative. Six years, that, that's not easy work, is it, Julie? It's not easy. It's like climbing a mountain, isn't it? It's like climbing a mountain and crawling through a desert. But I'm here to tell you, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. I'm here to tell you, I, man, I, I, I counsel with people all the time. That's what Miss Julie does now, too. And it's like she said, a lot of times you feel like you're just spitting in the wind because you're telling people, what they need to do, but you know in your heart of hearts that 99% of the time they're not going to do it. And you know 99% of the time until they make up their mind to take the first step and do it, that they're not going to do it. But you just keep praying. You just keep dragging them. You just keep working on them, and you keep loving on them, loving on them right where they're at. And I'm here to tell you today, I think many people in this room need to hear that story this morning. We need to hear the story. Don't ever give up. Don't ever stop. It's never too late. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Father, I want to pray this morning that God, this story would touch people's lives. Lord, we all have areas in our life. There's not anybody in this room that couldn't say, I could do better at this area in my life. And I want you this morning, just in your mind, in your heart, just think of one area. Don't, don't get overwhelmed and think of multiple areas, but just think of one area in your life, maybe the one that you need to work on the most. And just say, Lord, I, I need to do better. In just this one area, Lord, would you help me to do what's necessary to make the change to do better in my life? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's whatever it is. Maybe it's lack of faith. Maybe it's uh, a negative outlook. Whatever it is, let the Lord help you with it today. Father, I pray you'd have your will in your way. If there's somebody in here today and you'd say, Brother Mark, I don't know if I were to go to heaven, if I were to die right now. Let me tell you this. The spiritual route is you got to start with Jesus. you got to start with Jesus, walk with Jesus, and end with Jesus. So today, if you're not saved, pray this prayer with me. Or if you need to recommit your life, pray this prayer. Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I need you. And I believe, Jesus, that you died on that cross for my sins. Right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save me. Lord, help me with my struggles. 
Help me with my addictions. Help me with my mental health. Help me in depression, anxiety, worry, fear. God, increase my faith in you. Whatever the mountain is, whatever the desert is, Lord, you help me to climb over it and climb through it. Have your will in your way, Lord. Have you prayed that prayer today? When we start singing in a minute, I want you to just come and tell me, Brother Mark, I prayed that prayer today because I would love to pray over you. Father, have your will in your way during this time of decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. You need to come to the altar. You can be here. Uh, if you need to come and have somebody pray over you, Hayden and Martin will be here, uh, and I'll be here. We would love to pray over you today. You come as you need to. Lord, I to the Lord. So let's sing this together. We're going to sing this song together every way. Take your breath. 
second verse. you to ignore it. He's speaking in your ear. He's whispering in your ear that ah, Brother Mark don't know what he's talking about. And you're probably about 99% right. But there is 1% where you're wrong. And that's the part where anything God says. Anything that God said through me, I can guarantee you it's real. And it's right. As I said at the beginning of the service, there are no answers in this world. Well, how do you know, Brother Mark? Because I've tried to find them. Miss Julie tried to find them. You can look everywhere else. You can look in the bottle. You can look in a, a pill bottle. You can look online, shopping pornography. You can look everywhere else. You can look in relationships, sexual relationships, or any kind of bad relationship for your life. 
You can try to fill that void with anything. I can tell you, I've searched for it. There are no answers in this world. So why not, why not just give it to Jesus? I'm here to tell you, it don't mean life is perfect. It don't mean that all your problems go away. But the retirement plan is top notch. Because I know one day, all this is temporary. I went and saw a movie. I don't recommend a lot of movies sometimes, but I went and saw a movie that's playing right now called After Death. And it's people sharing about near-death experiences. It's very good. Because what it tells you is all those people who had that experience, they said the, the one thing that was common constantly across all of them was, I saw what's on the other side. I no longer fear death. It does not scare me anymore. I know because every one of them to a person said that what I, what I experienced there was more real than anything here. What I experienced on the other side, I know was more real. And they said, now I know that's reality. This is all a dream. We think this is reality. All of that's a dream. But they said, once you've experienced the other side, you understand that's, that's your reality because that's what's waiting. And that's for all of eternity. This is like a, a smoke, like a vapor. It's, it's gone. But what waits on the other side is eternity. And everybody here, good news is everybody here is going to live forever. Bad news is it's location, location, location. Where are you going to spend it? Amen. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for speaking into our hearts and lives. I pray that everybody would leave this place. Whatever we need to change, give us the strength and the faith, the trust in you to make the action and go out and change it. We love you as we walk out these doors, Lord. That is our mission field. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Don't forget, sign up for Thanksgiving dinner. And also, if you want to go to Mexico in February, there's a sign-up sheet for that. <laughs>